So uh, yesterday, as we were saying, we went to a wedding of a young couple, not young couple, well, young couple, and the, um, they both had their own apartments, they both had everything, they both were, like money was not a problem, and you'd think, well, what can I bring for a gift? And they said money, you know, and they would use it for some purpose, but... And that got me thinking, well, what can I actually give this young couple as a gift? Then I thought, yes, doesn't scripture speak of it as an indescribable free gift of God, a gift of God that we have in salvation? Now, if you kids know you had something really great and lots of it and you could give it to people, wow. You'd be really motivated to do that. And then I thought of not only this free gift, but what 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 is our response to having this free gift? So anyways, those were the, the those were my thoughts, and I just want to get in on two scriptures. One describing that speaks of it as an indescribable free gift, and the other speaks as what this one person did with this gift, and I think it'll be very suggestive to us as to what, how we can effectively transmit to, to give out that gift. So the first scripture I want to read is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable free gift. Now, I want to give you a bit of context here. He spent the whole chapter encouraging the the, the Christians at Corinth to give. They had intended to give. The saints at Macedonia took it one step further. They actually did give. And he suspected as he traveled from Macedonia to Corinth, some of the Macedonians would come from there. And he'd been bragging so much about the Corinthians. He said, you know, make a collection for the poor who are in Jerusalem before I even come there. You know, he didn't want to be embarrassed that they they weren't giving as a company. Okay. And so he goes into all the blessings that we can have as a company to give. And he goes into, it's amazing, just some of the thoughts is that he, he compares it to casting seed. And you know when you put a seed into the ground, out of that seed will come 30 more seeds, or 60 more seeds, or 100 more seeds. You know, you don't, it isn't just, in giving in Christianity, it isn't just one, and then you get one, a result of one from it. The giving in Christianity is multiplied. That's a wonderful principle in giving. And he says, you might just give some money to these poor in Jerusalem over here, but it will be multiplied, and it will stir them up to pray for you, because they they weren't so sure about these Corinthian believers. Were they really believers? But if they receive a gift from them, they're going, yeah, honestly, they're thinking of us. You know, the Lord really must have worked in their hearts. So he goes in this whole chapter, stirring them up to giving. And 
It's almost a disconnected comment at the end of this chapter, this verse that I just read to you. He just stops and he says, uh, he says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable free gift. He, he's been stirring them up to giving, but then like Paul does so many times, he just stops and he praises God for his free gift, unspeakable. So, I've got the impossible task today to speak about what is unspeakable. <laughs> but I will try to tell you about this unspeakable, this, this, this gift that basically is saying, you, you couldn't tell it all. You, you couldn't, it isn't, it isn't enough in the, how does your translation go, Phil? Inexpressible. Inexpressible. <laughs> That's the idea. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's such a wonderful thing that the preacher or the person seeking to speak about this gift design can can only tell you a little bit about it. They can't tell you the the, the full the full thing. And uh, I thought, yes, salvation is this inexpressible. It, why is it? It brings. It, 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 first, it sets you right before God. This is the most important thing. The work of Christ, the person and the work of Christ. So what is this gift? I believe it is salvation. But it comes through the person and work of Christ. And in its fullness, it involves the Spirit as well. But, so, it's given, this gift is in, given in the context that we are sinners. That we are in, we are irreparably damaged. That we are irreparably broken. And may God bring that home to your soul. That with Christ, you are irreparably broken. You are, even when you desire to do what is right, you still, still do things that harm other people. I have in my life things I wish I could have taken back, right? You think that you said that you wish, oh, and, and you, you've done harm, you know, and it's from your sins. So we have both sins that we've done, and we have this sin nature. And this sin nature needs to be dealt with, and it's dealt with in the work of Christ. He gives us a new heart. I will give you a new heart. And uh, what does it say in Jeremiah? Fresh, a spirit, a new spirit, a tender heart of flesh. Not a heart of stone. We need a new heart. And he does that in his work on the cross. By dealing with the matter of our sin. By shedding, as we were reminded this morning, his precious blood. And going into death. Taking it completely. And in the grave, which is also important. Because visually it's out of the sight of God. Completely in the grave. All that we are by nature, all that we are by sin, so that we can have a cleansing that's like un, any uh, unlike any cleansing, whiter than the most physical cleansing that you could to truly be clean. Ezekiel, sorry. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, thirty-six and twenty-five. Thirty-six, twenty-five. Ezekiel, thirty-six, twenty-five. And I will sprinkle clean water. On you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, 
and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances to do them. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Doesn't that appeal to your heart? What a wonderful thing. Promise of God. This is a gift. But you're to receive. Every gift has to be received, right? You can have the most wonderful gift. And Esther was reminding us that how she heard of an illustration of somebody saying, you know, speaking about the gospel is a bit about telling you about, honey, this is stuff is so good. It tastes so great, man. Uh, toast is great and all, you know, well, you can tell everything about honey, right? But what's missing? Taste, right? The person has to taste it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Reach out. Something so wonderful. If you do not know the Lord is the Savior. Something so wonderful. So life transforming. And I like the thought of honey too. Because honey is an energy food. Right? And you get this. A new heart and a new spirit. Not only you're cleansed. But you're given the power to do what is right. Not only does he deal with your state. But he deals with your actions. You now desire. You have this desire to do. What is right? So, that's part of this indescribable gift, this wonderful gift, that it totally meets the claims of God in justice and our need as men and women. And, and you, if you're a believer today, you have the opportunity to convey this, this uh, indescribable wonderful, beyond words, gift to others. God, in His great grace, He could just do it straight from heaven, and sometimes people do. We are hearing that in these Arabic worlds, they have visions, and the Lord makes Himself directly known to them. But we have this great opportunity. So, the second scripture I'd like to read is what we do with this great, indescribable gift. Free gift. Oh, wait, just that other thing. It was a free gift. It's free to us. But it costs, this gift, costs God all that, the great, the, the most that he could give in the giving of his son. So, because it's free, does not mean it was to us, does not mean it was not a costly gift. It cost. What it cost, we see a little picture in Abraham giving up Isaac. What it cost God to make this gift available to us. So that should bring a soberness on our hearts. If we're going to re reject this kind of a gift from God, consider the price that God has paid to make it free for us. You know, one time there was a guy selling fish in Scotland. And this man came along. And he said, look, this is a poor part of town. Here's a bunch of money. Just go and tell people it's for free. So the guy got all his fish cart. And he started shouting, fish for free, fish for free. And people would look out the house. And usually when he shouted for fish, people would come out and buy it. 
<clears throat> but they, if it's free, there must be something. You know, it must be, it must be bad fish or something. And fish for free, fish for free. And then he started going, oh, you crazy people, come out and get the fish that's for free. He says, I, I can't understand it. He says, now do you understand? When, when Christ is offered for free, the, the, the people think that it has to cost something. They have to do something. They have to earn something to get it. But there's the most wonder, and he, he finally shouted, but then one lady came out of the house, and she said, oh, is it for free? Yes. And she loaded up her whole bag, staggered away with a whole bunch of fish. And then another lady saw this lady, so she ran out, and so he was coming back down the street, and very quickly, he was out of fish. And then the lady at the front, at the beginning of the street, these ladies at the beginning of the street, what, there's no fish for us? He said, you were the guys that had the first opportunity. You know, like, <laughs> you missed it. You know, so they were all angry that, that, that they, they, but it's not that the opportunity lasts forever. Today is the time to be saved. Today is to take this free gift, right? Mm-hmm. It, you can be like those people that were first in line, could have grabbed the fish right there, had bags full. But one person came out and filled a bag full of fish, and you can come out. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, today you can be filled to the fullness of God. Oh, so this gift is free. So I just want to go on to the next scripture. So during the week, I, I was listening, uh, maybe it's a radio program or something. Anyways, Romans 9 was read. And I tell you, it came with fresh force and power. The first five verses of Romans Nine. So I'm just going to read this Romans 9, 1 to 5. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, says the Apostle Paul here to the Romans, who he's just told eight chapters to these Gentiles of the wonderful work and promises of God. And what might come up in their minds, but what about God's promises to all those Jewish people who were all before? You know, this is great, we're getting the promise, but what happens to the Israelites? And he says, I tell you, and I do not lie. He's he's so passionate here. I'm telling the truth, totally telling the truth, he says. My conscience bearing witness with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great... Grief and uninterrupted pain in my heart. Something is paining him like unbelievably painful. What is this thing that's paining him? What's this thing that's causing him such agony in his heart? You know, they're going, what are you talking about, Paul? He says, for I have wished myself to be a curse from Christ, from the Christ for my brethren. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, who is the adoption, in German it says sonship, who is the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the law giving and the service and the promises of whom are the fathers and whom according to flesh is the Christ, who is over all, God blessed forever, amen. What about the Israelites? Well, let me tell you about the Israelites, he says. I have great 
uninterrupted peace. He's opening up the heart to us. This is an amazing chapter. You're actually seeing the heart of Paul here. This is this is so important. You're seeing that he has great uninterrupted peace about the the Israelites that were missing the message of this great indescribable gift. They were they weren't taking it. And it was causing them great grief. In fact, even worse, the greatest persecution on the believers in the early church was from the Jews. Everywhere Paul went, they hounded him, they attacked him, they turned the people against him, they hindered the gospel in every single way. Sometimes they got ahead of him and, and gave bad press to him you know, ahead of time or, or made up plots to actually assassinate him. Remember that one plot? We aren't going to eat until we kill this guy. You know, like, they... But he has uninterrupted grief. Why? Because he himself was just like them. That is very important for us to realize. The Corinthians were feeling anger against those persecuting, but he says... Such were some of you before you were saved and before you were washed. Do never, we're to never forget that only through the grace of God, this person attacking me isn't me attacking a Christian. You see? And Paul could have this great grief, and then he says the most amazing thing. I don't want you to miss this. He says, the most I have wished myself to be a curse from the Christ for my brother. Do you know what he's saying there? Do you understand what Paul's saying? I want to be a curse for my brother. I would rather not be saved. I'd rather be lost into eternal judgment. If my people, my family, my brethren, my kinsmen could come into blessing. That's how much he had a sense of the indescribable free gift of God and its value. He was willing to do that. And that's what impressed me yesterday. He was a man willing to put his life on the line. Awesome. We should. But who, who, who does he have in his heart here? He says, my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, the Israelites who... And then he says, but these people have already known the blessing of God. It was the people to whom the greatest truth had been revealed now are becoming the greatest persecutors of, 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 of believers. And that struck me like a bolt. What about me, I said. You know... We come from a heritage amongst uh, brethren. And there is so much light and so much life. And now there's perhaps 40,000 or 50,000 that are essentially in a cult, following man's teaching, doing all sorts of terrible things. And I have a bridge to those type of people, I understand how they think. I understand what is important to them. I understand, you know, where they've taken separation to isolation, where they've taken 
the word of man rather than the word of God. You know, all these things. And I'm going like, wow. And maybe you have people. Maybe you, we all have actually people we already have existing bridges with. Right? And, and, <clears throat> do we have that passion to, to take it to them? You see, the Lord affected the eunuch in, ver, in view of him taking it to his people, his kinsmen, his friends. You see, if we have this sense, now Paul himself was given this gospel for the Gentiles. And, but it didn't mean he didn't have a heart for the Jews. In fact, in each community, he would seek out the Jewish community and, 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 and work from that, you know. But he, his ministry was to the, the... But I just thought, there, there is people. We all in, and already have links or a certain background of people that we understand. Now, we should convey the gospel to all, for sure. But there's some that we have these bridges already. And even where there wasn't bridges, Paul would make bridges. He would reach out to the Athenians, to their altar of the unknown God, and use that as a bridge to, to, to reach those people. So he would reach out to the Jews here when he gives his defense. Do you remember his defense? He goes over their whole history and, and the things of God in their history, and he does here. He says... Of whom is the adoption? Of whom is sonship? He says, come out, let my son go that he may serve me. Remember when we were in Exodus? Sonship, but they never came into that. But it was for them there. The glory, the covenants were there. The law giving, the service of God. The promises. And... Whose are the fathers? And who by the flesh the Lord Jesus came? You could have think of a more privileged people. And often, you know, often in history, God works with people in a remarkable way. But in time, people turn away from the gospel. Even in vital Christian movements, they turn away from the gospel in time. Right? In but at their heart, there was things they were really, that God really moved, that you can appeal to. That, that God has, that God has not left himself without witness. He's not left, either with the unbeliever or with one. So, I just feel that there, we have opportunities to speak about this unspeakable gift to unbelievers and and to to ones that we have ties by nature uh, and we should be redeeming that opportunity and he said and he did it in such a way he felt it in such a way Moses actually said these words if you look carefully back Moses says just curse me in order that the people live do we have that spirit we would so we would we would surrender everything to see the blessing of others because we have an impression of the person and the work of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This new heart and new spirit. Thanks for giving me the reference there. This life transforming gift.
do we really value it? Do we see it as that? Do you see it as that? This wondrous, unspeakable gift. May these words of Scripture speak to our souls with power and produce response in our souls for his name's sake. Amen.